It's time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. We've got a great show planned for today. We're going to be talking to Professor Don Morin uh, from Quinsigamon Community College. We're just having a little trouble getting a hold of him for some reason, but um, I'm sure we'll work that out. We're also going to have, we, we got a, I, I was able to talk quickly. The other day with Erin Devaney, the Registrar of Motor Vehicles, uh, she was at one of our office openings and uh, just see what's going on with the registry and uh, their uh, and our relationship with them. And also we're going to be reviewing the uh, Chevrolet Trax, a little small sport utility vehicle, and also, you know, just some other things in the news that we have to talk about. And so we have, uh, have a bunch of things we're going to be talking about, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. And um, so we have all that, and you can always find us in all kinds of places. You can find us online, the WROL Radio um, website. You can listen online. You can listen on the app. You can listen on TuneIn. You can listen on WROL on TuneIn. You can listen to Car Doctor Radio on TuneIn. And then, of course, you can find previous uh, previously recorded programs both on the WROL web page as well as uh, – as well as my podcast page, which is johnfpaul.podomatic.com. So all kinds of places you can find uh, this program, and you know, might find something interesting that you want to re-listen to. I know I actually re-listened to um, the uh, guy from the wildlife uh, uh, company about putting storing your car away and trying to keep the uh, different critters out of your car. Uh, in fact, I used that just recently. Well, I was at uh, Quinsigamon Community College the other day and uh, ran into old buddy Don Morin, who is a professor at Quinsig in their automotive program. And, you know, we talked about a lot of things, but including kind of the future of automotive repair and the need for technicians. Don, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm wonderful. It's a great Saturday morning. Except for except for it's like 21 degrees out. Except for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's cold. Yeah, you it's you take it. You you gonna go ride the bike a little this morning? No. Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you 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 and I have known each other for I don't know what 20 some odd years I guess now and. Um, oh my God! Yeah, yeah. It goes all the way back to AAA days. Yeah, I know exactly. But but you know one of one of the things that you know we've seen over the years uh, is really. You know who who's going to fix cars these days? And you know there's a there's a, currently and kind of in the not too distant future there's a real need for technicians out there, right? Oh, definitely, John. There's a uh, a big shortage. Uh, it's it's a weekly basis. I, I'm getting phone calls from <clears throat> independent shops and and uh, and dealers looking for you know qualified uh, qualified technicians. And it's I can't I can't fill the need. Uh, mm. I don't have enough I don't have enough students to go around. 
Yeah, and that's, uh, I was at, after I was with you, I was at uh, uh, Bristol Plymouth Votech down in Taunton, and they're sort of the same way. And even though that's a high school, they said the kids that actually want to go into the trade, and they and they readily admit not every high school kid who takes auto shop wants to go into the trade. Some of them are just doing it because uh, they want to figure out how to work on their own car, and they're going to either go to, go to uh, a, regular, a regular college or they're going to go into the military or whatever the case is. Others look at it a little bit differently. That they're, um, you know, that this is their their stepping stone into a career, and their school was the same way. They said, if the kids the kids they have, every one of the seniors that is ready is already out on co op, and the juniors that they have that are ready, they'll be out on co op starting in January. So there, and it's and it's not it's as much for the education as it is for the need for technicians. These kids are going out in co-op, and they're not just sweeping the floor. They're actually they're actually working. Definitely. Uh, I've got uh, four students right now who uh, are sophomores. They'll graduate in May, and they're already employed at, uh, uh, you know, different dealers. Uh, last year's graduating class, the whole class is employed before they graduated. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, you know, it's unbelievable. The students who want to work, the kids who want to work, have jobs waiting for them. And uh, they, the uh, dealers are sending, uh, you know, either alumni or, or other people down uh, to recruit. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's unheard of. In, in 29 years that I've been teaching, we never had such a demand. I mm. mean, we, you know, we put students out there and they were hired, but... We haven't had them knocking on the doors like we have now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Any any shop I happen to stop into, uh, almost everyone either has a help wanted sign out, or they'll say if you know somebody who's looking for a job or looking to change jobs, you know, have them come and see me. And and it, whether it's a big, big solid chain like Sullivan Tire or a small two base shop, they're all, they're all feeling about the same way, and they're all feeling the same pinch. And so this this really means that for somebody thinking about going into this business, um, I, I mean, this is a good, solid employment opportunity. Well, most definitely, most definitely. And, you know, the cars are getting, let's face it, you and I both know, and, I, and I'm sure your listeners know, the uh, the cars are getting more more technical. They're getting you know, more sophisticated with computers every day. Uh, and, and you and I are the age where we grew up or, or we aged. <laughs> when, we, when we were young, there were no computers in the cars, and we were working in the field. And, and now, you know, it's taken over. Uh, and we need really bright young people to, to fix these cars. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to guidance counselors a few months ago, and I asked them, uh, you know, who do they want? repairing their uh, self-driving car in the future that they want someone good with their hands or good with their brain and yeah. it's kind of it kind of lit up their uh their eyes a little bit you know <laughs> it's just, well, we uh, we need somebody who's really competent and, yeah. and technically savvy yeah we we have a we have a uh a triple-A shuttle out in Las Vegas that maybe we could use somebody because a truck ran it's a self-driving shuttle and a truck ran into it the other day so I, I read that. Yeah, yeah. I read that. Yeah. So, but you're absolutely right. You look at that level of sophistication, or even something not as sophisticated. You look at something with a with a backup camera or a backup monitor system, and it gets banged around, and it has to go to a body shop, and the body shop 
knows how to fix the plastic and steel, but the, as far as recalibrating all the sensors, they got to send it to a repair shop to get it taken care of. That's right. I mean, there are some cars out there, as you know, that you can't even change a light bulb without reprogramming the computer. So, uh, you know, that's that's where the demand comes right. in. Right, and that's where and that's where the the kids that are going into this, and not just kids either, but the people that are going into this. Um, they're looking at, yeah, the old days of, you know, I, kind of a funny story. A shop I worked in, they had a, uh, the qualification to work in the shop, they had a little um, safe where they used to put, you know, money during the day and their, you know, their deposit overnight, and, you know, if they weren't, if they didn't get to the bank. And the safe was probably three feet tall by two feet wide. And the owner of the, the owner of the business would go over and say, hey, can you pick that up? And, you know, they'd get some guy over that would, you know, grunt and groan and pick it up and put it back down. And that was basically the qualification of working in the shop was you had to be strong. And, right. you know, th- those days are gone. Those those days are absolutely gone. Today, your brain's got to be strong. That's right. And, and you know, it's, it's, it, it's just uh, amazing how, you know, the sophistication came through. I, I'm just looking out the window and I'm looking at a, a brand-new Ford uh, – fusion sitting in the driveway and the sophistication in that car compared to uh 10 years ago mm. is just unbelievable or, or even three years ago mm. with with the backup cameras the, the sensors the uh you know uh, well the remote start uh which has been around for a while but still mm. the, it, it's smart enough to know that you don't have the key right uh and it won't, you have to, no one can open the doors or anything while it's running. It's smart enough to know that, or I can control the sunroof from a phone app. Yep. I mean, that's the sophistication we're looking at here. And uh, and so when those, when they have to be repaired, there's a lot of thought process yeah. involved. Yeah, no, I was talking to some kids one day, and one of them, one of them said, well, you know, nobody wants to get into repairing cars anymore. And I said to him, well, isn't that the job you want then? If the market's not flooded with people and the need is growing, you know, in leaps and bounds, all of a sudden that really increases your value. And the kid looked right. at me and said, I never thought about it that way. I said, you know, think about the, you know, think about some of your friends that, you know, they're, they're all going to school for the same thing. And all of a sudden now you're one of a thousand applying for a job. Wouldn't you rather be one of one applying for a job when there's a real need, and the kid's like, "I never thought of it that way." That's right, and, and they don't, and, and they're not led that way. Mm. Um, there are so many people going to four-year schools, and they come out, and there's no jobs for right. them. Or you can come to a, you know to our school, and uh, and we've got people lined up to hire you. Yeah, no, no, absolutely true, and at. At your school, Quinsigaman Community College, you you run your auto lab uh, in a in a, uh, a standalone building away from away from the actual college. But the kids have a choice of a one year certificate or a two year associate degree program, right? Correct. Correct. Yep. We have uh, we call the one year program the Ford Maintenance and Light Repair Program, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's affiliated with Ford Motor Company. Uh, students get credit towards their Ford uh, Master Technician mm-hmm. uh, by taking online segments plus the training we give them. And uh, 
They're all registered on a Ford Star site, so dealers can check their training history, mm-hmm. and they can actually uh, they they actually look for those students. Yep. Uh, we've also uh, just last spring affiliated with Subaru, and we're also part of Subaru University, and that gives uh, students a, another avenue for employment, uh, and that goes more along with the two-year program. Yep. And then, again, we, like we said, we have our associates program, uh, which is a little more, well, a lot more in-depth than, yep. than the uh, certificate program. But both programs make you employable. It's right. Just, it's just a level that you want to take yourself. What's it, what's it cost, roughly, to go to Quincy Community College for a two-year program? Uh, in-state tuition yep. and fees, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guesstimate because – Things change with budgets. Yep, yep. Uh, with books, probably around eleven thousand dollars. Yeah, I'll, I'll say eleven ish. Yeah, in that in that area, uh, there's a lot. You get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, you compare that to either some of the private schools, or like you said, somebody who's got a four year degree in. You know, pick it, art history or something, and they come out of school and they have a hundred thousand dollars worth of student debt and a job that pays twenty thousand dollars a year. Right, uh, and these, you know, our students can make make real. You know, when you talk about money, there's a lot of opportunity yep. to make to make real good money, and uh, and it's easier to pay off. Um, the the other thing is, you know, we've got an articulation agreement with. Uh, Ben Franklin Institute mm-hmm. in Boston, where our students can go in as juniors to their four-year uh, automotive management program. So we've got a you know a lot of different avenues for, for students to go to if they want to get into the management side. They can go to Ben Franklin. If they want to go right to work, they've got the two-year yep. associates. We've actually also have students who have transferred to. Uh, uh, Western Michigan University to take engineering, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they, 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 there's a lot of different avenues. Yep. It's not a dead end career. Right. People thought back when I was younger, you know, we, we there was a stigma that we were grease monkeys, and and that we, you know, it was a, a low level job. And right now, with the shortage and the technology in the cars, technicians are becoming well esteemed. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely, and you know, you look at you look at that, and you look at the you know where the future is. And you had two of your students at the meeting we were at the other day, and uh, both of them were extremely well spoken, uh, and both of them said, you know, we're not quite sure where we're doing. We know we're staying in the field, but it not, might not be in the field as a wrench. It might be in the field as an automotive engineer. Right. Those two students are really. Uh... Uh, are really go-getters, and, yep. and they—they—they—they're they, uh, both employed. I mean, that's another another neat thing, uh, and they're—they're they're getting the experience of the dealership now, and they—they uh, they do want to somehow pursue engineering. Right. I'm, I'm not sure. We we talk at you know every class we talk, and they've got some great ideas, and I'm just trying to nurture them now. Yep. No, one of one of the things you brought up that I thought was pretty fascinating was um, the way you interact with your students. You're not Professor Morin. You're Don. And you run that like it's like it's a business. When they're in the shop, it's like you're the 
service manager and they're the techs and they address you kind of on the same you know respectful level level playing field that uh that you would in a business well we're trying to prepare the students in our in our program we try to prepare the students for the real world yeah you know let's face it uh you know and i know uh, that the automotive industry is a tough industry to right be in. and uh we kind of prepare them you know for what they're going to what they're going to see when they go out there. Yep. Um, and if if it was, you know, uh, if I was professor on a basis, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same. Right. They wouldn't get the same learning out of it. And uh, and uh, my whole philosophy is, learning should be fun, and you should be enjoying yourself while you learn. So we we do it like we would be in a in a shop. Yeah. They have. Uh, you know, I don't make them punch the clock and yep. punch on every job, but you know we talk and we treat each other the same way you yep. would be in a shop. Yeah, and the, and the same thing. Just like you're in a shop, you're in a shop, and there's it's it all of a sudden for better or worse, it becomes a family, and all families. Not everybody gets along, and you. you I, I kind of like the idea that you really tell your students you're going to run into all kinds of different personalities out in the real world, not just different customers but different coworkers, and it's up to you to be able to work kind of within that group right and that's that's all part of the you know that's all part of the plan uh, when when we started the program 30 years ago uh both both the instructors my my ex-partner retired ron uh, and i uh, we both come fresh out of the field right. ron from running his own shop and i was a service manager at a, at a ford dealer so we, uh, we we didn't we didn't start out as uh, people with bachelor's degrees hmm. or teachers teaching automotive. We were technicians teaching. We, we had to learn how to be teachers. Right. And uh, and it made it uh, pretty pretty interesting. And yeah. that's how, that's how we came about doing you know doing it the way we yeah. do. Uh, and our. It really has worked out. Uh, like you mentioned, the family aspect. Yep. I've got students in Hawaii and Florida, you know, graduates, alumni, and we still stay in contact. It, it, and they always ask, how's so-and-so, you know, yep. one of their classmates. Have you seen, do you ever talk to uh, whoever? Yep. And, and uh, it, you know, it is a family atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the funny things is this. Two students working in Detroit, or Dearborn, I should say, uh, for Ford, and they've graduated within a year of each other. Huh. Uh, Peter and Scott. And yep. you know Peter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, they, they work within, they work in the same department. Uh, and when they, when Peter hired Scott, uh, said, oh, you went to QCC, you went to the asset program. And all of a sudden, bam, it was like a switch went on. Yep. And, and in my name got mentioned, I found out. Mm. Next thing you know, I got an email from one of them, and, you know, now we stay in contact. Yeah. No, and that's what I always, whenever I try to talk to students, whether it's in a high school or someplace else, I always try to tell them, you know, keep in touch with the people you went to school with, not, you know, great for the great for the relationship issue, but also, you know, all of a sudden one of your classmates mates might go to work at a Nissan dealer and one of them might go to work at a Hyundai dealer and one might go to work at a Ford dealer and one at Subaru and all of a sudden if you're working somewhere and you 
kind of run into a dead end and you're a little you're a little you know frustrated you can't get any further you call your buddy up and say hey look i got a subaru in the shop and i'm running into trouble can you help me and all of a sudden now you you have a you have a former former uh classmate that's also can help you get through whatever problems you have exactly you know it's networking it's it's all part of networking. It's, it's just anytime you're in any type of business, the bigger your network, the better it is. Yeah, I, I used to tell the kids, keep you know, you know, these kids should be your Rolodex, but the kids don't know what a Rolodex is. So right, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So those Rolodexes are a thing of the past. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Uh, but they, uh, but yeah, it, networking is on. You know, is a great thing, and it's even if you're dead end at a job and you're looking to move on, and you've got a an ex-classmate working somewhere else, it's real easy, you know, they'll call each other, geez, we're looking, are you interested in, in, in moving on? And it's happened at a local dealer, you know, in the Worcester area where one student started a dealership, and then the next thing you know, he recruited his friend, his classmate, and now there's four classmates working in the same deal. Mm. Uh, they just kept recruiting each other, and it's, and in that dealership, there's like eight graduates working there now, uh, but it's all kind of network. They yeah. all network each other. No, it, it absolutely makes sense. If people want more information about Quinsigman Community College, um, I know one place that I that I know what you're up to all the time is on Facebook. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but if people want more information about the college, uh, is there a college website they can go on? I assume there is. Yes. QCC.edu, okay. I believe is our or is our website, um, and I'm email me at uh, dmorn at qcc.mass.edu. Uh, but we have a the college has a great website. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, friends of QCC Automotive, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's some interesting posts on there. Uh, Change a cabin filter. Yeah. <laughs> that's, my, that's my new one. Uh, as uh, you saw the picture of my lovely cabin filter. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, social media, we're using that as a tool yep. more and more. No, I, I, I cheaped out the other day. I pulled the cabin filter out of my 10-year-old car and knocked the bugs out of it and knocked the dust out of it, and I didn't put it back in. It still looked okay uh, after I cleaned it. Yeah, mine yeah. was all <laughs> uh, But... Uh, no, it's uh, uh, we, we use social media to to reach people, yep. and, and uh, so far it's been it's been fairly successful. Yeah, no, it's pretty good stuff. Don, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. Have a great Thanksgiving. If you see a veteran today, give him a hug, and oh, uh, definitely. And uh, uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, it was good to see you. Uh, on Monday, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you, John. All right, Have a great holiday season. All right, you too. Take care. Bye bye. Right, bye bye. That was Don Moore, and he is Professor Don Moore, maybe Associate Professor Don Moore. But uh, but Don, I've I've known Don for a long time, and I got to meet Don uh, when with the Ford AAA Auto Skills Contest, and uh, and his and it just uh, when uh, Ford Ford started working together with AAA with the Student Auto Skills Contest, uh, Don came on board and just a good guy, real knowledgeable, real down to earth guy, uh, just a good guy to talk to about 
everything from and I joked with him about uh, riding a bicycle because he he's become a pretty pretty competitive bicycle rider too. So, uh, but riding on a nineteen degree day, uh, and he he lives he lives in uh, sort of the northern part of Connecticut and comes up to comes up to uh, Quinn Sigmund Community College and they work out of the uh, actually out of Worcester. Uh, but for more information, you can just uh, Google Quinn Sigmund Community College on the web and you can find out more information and look for friends of. Uh, Quinsigamine Community College on Facebook and you find out more information. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills when we come back. We're going to uh, maybe talk about Chevrolet tracks uh, and kind of go from there. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be right back. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. Giant Tire Savings continue at all Sullivan Tire and Auto Service locations during our tremendous November sales event. Just in time for the holiday driving season. Buy three, get one free on all Goodyear and Kelly tires in stock. Plus, save up to $200 on select Goodyear tires, such as the new Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready Tire, with all-season performance for tough New England weather. Check out our new website, SullivanTire.com, where it's now easier than ever to find your tires online and make service appointments. That's SullivanTire.com. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. We had some sort of technical glitch off the DVD, CD player, but uh, we're still here. No matter what, we're still here. And who just walked in? My former producer, Dennis. He, yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. He's, he's, doing, uh, he's doing some work at one of the other radio stations. Always good to see somebody. And uh, he was just saying he just got his associate's degree and uh, going to work towards his bachelor's now. So congratulations to him. Hey, um... I want to talk about the car that got me here today, which was the uh, Chevrolet Trax LT. It's a front-wheel drive uh, small SUV. This week's test drive is one of the most popular SUV categories, and surprisingly one of the most popular, the subcompact SUV category. Um, our road test was in the latest Chevrolet Trax, specifically the LT model with front-wheel drive. All-wheel drive is available as an option. There is a... Um, Base version as well as a more upscale premier trim level. Ours was sort of in the middle. Uh, our tester was powered by a 1.4-liter Ecotec turbocharged engine connected to a six-speed automatic transmission. The little engine produces 138 horsepower and 148 foot-pounds of torque. Fuel economy is rated up to 33 miles per gallon. I've been averaging just around 30 miles per gallon in a mix of city and highway driving. Um Performance around town is pretty good, but merging with fast-moving traffic requires full full acceleration and finding your kind of perfect spot. Uh, it's um, it could use a few more horsepower. Now I'm watching I'm watching Dennis leave in his Rogue, and that's the Star Wars Rogue version, the uh, the uh, Rogue One version. I remember when he got that. Um, 
But the uh, on the road, the track uh, feels pretty nibble, a uh, decent ride. It can get a little choppy over some of our less-than-perfect New England roads. Handling overall is pretty good, but when you push it, uh, it tends to lose its grip a little bit. Overall, the track feels better suited to crowded city driving rather than cross rather than cross-country cruising. Safety is addressed with 10 airbags. Smart Sense is designed to adjust frontal airbag inflation according to the severity of the crash. Our test car also had safety such systems such as rear cross-traffic alert, blind spot monitor, keyless open, and start, and something I like on a 19-degree morning, remote car start. As Paul Sullivan would say, remote car start, cheap in the building in a garage, uh, which is uh, absolutely true. Um, the tracks had some unique features for a uh, subcompact sort of economy SUV. It had uh, Wi-Fi, for instance. It has its own Wi-Fi hotspot in it. It also has a 110-volt outlet. I suppose, if I wanted to, I could do my radio show right from the back seat with the Wi-Fi signal and 110 volts. I could plug everything I need in and make it all work. Um, speaking of the front seats, uh, there's plenty of head and leg room. A lot of front seat uh, leg room. You can put the seats. Uh, speaking of Dennis, he's six foot four ish, maybe five, and he would even have enough uh, leg room in this. Uh, rear seat, well, not quite the same. Rear seat gets a little bit crowded. Um, and uh, one of the things I found about the seats, though, when you first get in them, they find, they feel pretty comfortable. After about an hour or so. Not as much. They also tend to be a little on the short side. So under thigh support starts to starts to limit a bit. Also, they tend to be a little bit narrow or I'm too fat, one or the other. Uh, but, um, you know, for for a little little city car, the rear seat, like I said, has seat belts for three, but uh, it will be uh, definitely cozy if three people are back there. And if there were three big people, I don't think they'd fit. Uh, but certainly, two adults can fit back there with a little bit of a little bit of moving things around. Uh, cargo storage, uh, like many SUVs, uh, especially in subcompact, is pretty versatile. It has about 19 cubic feet of space with the rear seat in use, which is okay. I mean, it's you know small vehicle, and with the fold, with the seats folded down, you have about 48 cubic feet of space, which is quite a bit. And then the front Passenger seat actually folds flat, so you could put something like, I'm guessing a six-foot stepladder maybe, something along that lines, uh, maybe a surfboard, which I will never put in here. Um, there are also a few bins, cup holders, three cup holders in the front. It must be two for the front and one to use for the back. Um, and a USB PowerPoint, so I could, so instead of having to use a 12-volt, Cigarette lighter adapter to keep my phone charged up. I could just plug into the USB PowerPoint. That was kind of happy, happy with that. Um, also, the Trax has Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, so you can hook your phone up and use your apps in your phone, which is so, you know, which so many people want to see. And of course, it has OnStar in it, so it has uh, the ability to signal for help if you need it, unlock the doors if you need to, and um, Get turn-by-turn directions if you want to. So the bottom line, this latest tracks is much better than the model I drove a few years ago, but it still needs some work. The interior has some nice quality and there's some nice features, but there's some areas that still need improvement in this very competitive SUV category. Base price of our test car was $22,900. As tested, $25,135. Crash tests 
Five stars across the board. EPA fuel economy, 25 city, 33 miles per gallon on the highway. And yes, in case you're wondering, the Trax does have a spare tire. Because there are so many cars today that just don't. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Phone lines are open if you want to join us. If you have a question about your car, for instance, or something, you can just give us a call. Next week, we're going to be talking to Ron Merritt. He's from, he owns a company. He's an interesting character. He He's an inventor, and uh, he's invented all kinds of hundreds of products, I guess, or has patents on hundreds of products. But one of them is a kind of unique thing. It's a light-up license plate frame. And you can get it to say all kinds of different things. You know, you can one of the one of the things I noticed on the website afterwards is you can actually have it say something like student driver. So and what happens is when you step on the brake it lights up. So it acts like a, almost a third brake light. It's completely wireless. It runs on a couple batteries. It lasts about six months. And one of the – you could also have it say Uber or Lyft. If you were an Uber or Lyft driver, you could have it light up when they step when you step on the brake so somebody knows you're an Uber or Lyft driver, which this morning on the way here, I was driving through Braintree, and there was a Toyota Prius in front of us going about five miles under the speed limit, and – they had they had a little very faded lift sticker in the back window, and as we got to the middle of Braintree, he started driving slower and slower. Could have been could have been her. Could have been she started driving slower and slower. I don't, I don't remember. And I said I kind of said to myself, "Oh, I bet they they were slowing down the whole way to meet up with the person they were supposed to meet at a designated time, but also not exactly where they were going to be." So they kind of eventually pulled over, not quite in a parking space, waiting to find their their uh, their Lyft customers. So if you had a little license plate that really lit up when they stepped on the brake, you could kind of go, oh, they're a Lyft driver, so you know they're kind of going to be a little bit lost. So anyway, uh, so uh, I ordered one to give away, and we'll do that in the next couple of weeks once I get it because I hate giving away stuff I don't actually have. And uh, once I have it in my hand, and it's uh, – I went with something very generic. It's going to say Merry Christmas. So you can put it on your car for the Christmas season. So every time you step on step on the brake, the little license plate frame will light up and it'll say Merry Christmas. And you can also, once you get it, you can also get new inserts for it. So you can have it say other things too. You have it say Happy Hanukkah if you want. You can you can you can have it say you can I well I I'm not sure about – I was thinking, like, number one Patriots fan, but I don't think they can – I don't think they're licensed to use the word Patriots. So, so, um, but you can – but they are apparently licensed to use some college teams and things like that. But anyway, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Got some tips from Michelin about wintertime, and chances are if – it didn't happen yesterday. It will happen today. Your low tire warning light will come on because your tire uh, air temperature drops, tire pressure drops, and probably just enough to turn on your low tire light. Uh, so check your tire pressure. Tires lose pressure as the temperature drops, even if winter conditions are mild. Remember to check the pressure once a month or so. If you're driving where temperatures consistently approach freezing, consider a winter tire. And because this was from Michelin, they said like the Michelin X Ice X1 or XI3, I guess it is, built for superior traction and handling in winter conditions. It really is true. If you're going to be out in the wintertime, in wintertime, 
doesn't necessarily mean snow. Very cold weather. This morning on the way here, I happened to see a um, Audi R8. Very, very low-slung sports car. Could have a V10 in it, maybe. Um, those performance tires on that car are terrible in cold weather. They turn into basically... Uh, Hockey pucks, the rubber gets that hard because they're not designed, those tires aren't designed to be out on cold weather. Same thing, I saw a Corvette right down away from, not, a quarter of a mile away from the radio station this morning. And if it has the performance tires on there, once the cold weather hits, they're not the same sticky rubber they are when the temperature is above 40 degrees. So if you are going to drive your car year-round, something like a good performance winter tire will allow you to do that i remember i was driving it happened to be an audi i think it was an a6 quattro so a car that's generally very good in the winter but it still had the summer tires on it i drove it about a half a mile from my house and i turned around and came back with it because it just it it there was a i think an eighth of an inch of snow but it was very cold out and the car just didn't perform well at all about a month and a half later, I saw the same car with winter tires on it. I took it for a ride, and the performance was a 1,000% better. It was just much, much better. Um, inspect all your lights. Make sure they're working. Examine your headlights and brake lights to ensure they're fully functioning, which are especially important during winter fogs or heavy snow. And if you're out there in the wintertime, make sure you clean all the snow off your car and off your headlights and taillights. Make sure your wipers work and they're in proper working condition by washer fluid with uh, antifreeze solution to protect visibility. Ensure winter wiper blades are in good working order. Winter blades or some combination of winter blades will allow you to see better in a snowstorm because the fingers of the blade don't tend to get clogged up with ice. Um, I have, I think there might be actually Michelin, Michelin Stealth Blades, which is a, a it kind of looks like a regular windshield wiper blade, but it has a covering over the framework. And it's not the big, ugly, heavy rubber covering. It looks just like a regular windshield wiper blade, but they tend not to build up with ice, which makes them work better. Unless... It's a snowstorm like that weird one we had last year that um, it was horrible whiteout conditions. It was kind of, it wasn't heavy wet snow. It was just wet snow, and you couldn't see, you know, 100 yards in front of you. And the wipers, just any wipers, even with the, even with the defroster set on full heat, full windshield mode, um, the wipers were just going to freeze up. So um, even the best wiper sometimes isn't perfect but on the other hand if you have something that is going to do a good job and do a better job for winter you should try to use it uh always have an emergency kit carry an emergency kit with gloves blankets flares shovel flashlight water extra batteries a cell phone charger as well as emergency contact list and important phone numbers uh all adding to this you should carry medication too if you're a diabetic a heart patient somebody who has to take medication on a periodic basis you should always try to you should always try to use that medication, you know, keep a little bit of that medication in the car just in case. If you're, uh, if you're so old that you remember the blizzard of 78 where people were stuck in their cars for three days or just even a couple of years ago where people were stuck in their cars for several hours and if you needed your medication and you didn't have it with you, uh, you know, a couple of, couple of whatever you need tucked away in your glove compartment or your emergency kit is a good idea. Uh, check the battery. The number one or number two reason the AAA goes out and rescues people is dead batteries. Um, battery capacity is 
decrease significantly in cold weather, yeah, when the temperature drops to about 32 degrees, you lose about 30% of the battery capacity. When it drops to zero, now all of a sudden you've lost about 50% of the battery's power to, to crank that engine over. So hot weather tends to kill batteries. Cold weather tends to really limit their effectiveness. So that 30-degree temperature takes away some of the performance at zero uh, that battery's only really able to provide about 50% of the power needed to get the car going. So you, you need to start the winter with a good battery. And, of course, um, check your climate control and defroster to make sure that it is working just the way it should because you want to make sure that uh, everything is, you know, up to the right temperature. Uh, I had a, got an email from somebody the other day that said they have poor heat in their car. They go out in the highway and they lose their heat. It happened to be a Subaru. Uh, my suggestion with to them was, first off, look at the coolant level in the vehicle. Chances are it's probably low, which is why they're losing some of their, some of their uh, heat. And chances are, I think it was an 07 Subaru, it might need a cylinder head gasket or cylinder heads because some of the Subarus had a lot of problems with that. So you need to watch out for that. I had the opportunity to spend just a few minutes with Aaron Devaney from the Registrar Motor Vehicles. And, Jeff, do we have that clip handy? Um, so I was with um, Aaron at – and Aaron Devaney is – she's been on our program before. She is the she is the Registrar of Motor Vehicles for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And I was with her at the Lawrence AAA office. In fact, we uh, just started doing registry services in Lawrence, and we opened a new office in Tewksbury. And But uh, when I was up in the Lawrence office uh, where we opened this RMV service center, my question to Registrar Devaney was, how well does the AAA RMV relationship work? This is a perfect example of what a good public-private partnership can do for registry customers. We're very appreciative for the partnership with AAA Northeast, for expanding services to our customers, and the benefit that AAA offers Saturday hours at no cost to registry customers. That's right. You know, people can come here on Saturdays, and the AAA members who come here, it, it helps with the line at the other end, right? Absolutely. All registry customers benefit from this partnership because the more people that take advantage of the AAA membership, the, the better off our lines will be at the Registry of Motor Vehicles. And that was uh, Registrar Devaney. She, like I said, she's been on this program. We talked, we talked, uh, oh, several months ago about our relationship with the registry. And uh, most recently, we talked about the new state inspection program. And I was talking to her, I asked her about that the other day. And I uh, said, how's it going now? And right now, there are the same number of facilities giving out stickers as there was before the program changed so they're they're back up in line and they're back up where they should be there's still a couple little hiccups here and there which is um which is to be expected this was a this was a very very intensive change and a new vendor and you expect to see some of those things our phone number is 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 phone lines are a little quiet everybody must be cold today so how about a trivia question? Why don't we do a little bit of trivia? So sort of, I try to keep the trivia sometimes related to the car that I'm driving. Well, this isn't a Chevy trivia question. It happens to be a GMC trivia question. And the question is, there was a model of the GMC Envoy, which was called an 
XUV. What was the XUV? What made the XUV unique in the GMC Envoy line? It was something that was one of those what's old is new again sort of things. Now, it's not a feature that's available anymore. It's a feature that's, that was available for a couple of years that kind of made it a little bit different. The Envoy was introduced, oh, I don't know, back in the early 2000s, I guess. But what what was the feature that made the GMC Envoy XUV a unique vehicle? If you know the answer to that, we will give you some sort of a prize. I don't know exactly what it is yet. Some sort of a prize. Um, maybe even. Well, you know, maybe it's not too early. Maybe the prize will be a couple tickets to the Boston Auto Show coming up after the first of the year. We'll see about that. I think that I actually I think that's a good prize. I think that's what we'll do. We'll give away two early tickets to the Boston to the Boston Auto Show if you know the answer to trivia. And the trivia question is, what made the GMC Envoy XUV a unique vehicle? Give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Well, in 2018 the Lacrosse and I don't even know how to pronounce this. A V E N I R, and uh, that's Buick Subbrand. That's their classy brand. Um, is offering two ways to experience the highest expression of Buick luxury, like the 2018 Enclave that went on sale in early October. The Cross Avenir Sport, unique styling, a laundry list of standard content, along with exclusive wheels and finishes. The LaCrosse gets a similar three-dimensional mesh grille, lower grille with chrome wings that Buick first debuted, the stunning uh, concept car in 2016. And this still goes back to, I still say this goes back to um, years ago when I heard that they want to try to make Buick as luxurious as a Lexus, and they seem to be going certainly in that direction. On the mechanical front, motivation of the Buick will come from a 310-horsepower V6, which is paired to a 9-speed automatic transmission. Shoppers can also opt for an optional twin-clutch all-wheel drive system, dynamic drive package with real-time dampening, along with the company's suite of active safety features. So it really looks like the uh, you know this will really go kind of an upscale type of thing. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Richard. Hey, Richard. You know there, I'm, I've been shopping for a car with a friend who's trying to go from a 1999 Grand Marquis. He's looking for something with a bench, uh, with a bench seat or something that rides like a car. And he bought it, he bought it brand new. And he's, uh, it's been a nightmare, to say the least. Any suggestions? Uh, yeah, find another 1999 Grand Marquis. I yeah. like telling him go with a pickup truck, but it's it's, it's not yeah. the same thing. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna even as good as new pickup trucks ride. He's not gonna ride as good as his as his Grand Marquis. It's funny. I have a I have a the uh, one of he's a, he's a CEO of a company, and he always had a. Uh, Ford Taurus, so a late model Ford Taurus, and he said, you know what, it's about time I stopped being so cheap and I bought a luxury car, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, what do you think I should buy? And I said, what do you want? And he said, well, I want a car that's as roomy as a Taurus and rides just as well. 
And I said, well, you need another Taurus. And he goes, no, I want something. He said, you know, I, he said, I'm not really, it's not really that I want to show off, but he said, it kind of seems like in, you know, and he's, he's probably in his mid-50s, and he's like, I think it's finally time that, you know, I have a car that, you know, kind of, you know, I think I can afford just about what I want to afford. And he ended up actually going with a, uh, a Lexus LS, the big Lexus, because it was the only thing he found with the room he wanted in it, just like his Taurus had plenty of leg room, and the ride that he got, and it, you know, has a Lexus badge on it, so it made him feel real happy, and that's what he ended up getting. But I think, you know, to get something similar to that car, first off, you're not, it's so hard to find anything with a bench seat anymore. The last thing I saw with a bench seat um, was a Toyota Avalon, and I'm not sure they even have bench seats anymore. But that would be one car that I think would probably come close to what he may be looking for, for ride and room and maybe the seating of it. But as far as a true bench seat, I don't think you're going to find it anymore. I can't think of anything right now that has a bench seat in it. Is that a safety issue that they're, they're dumping, or are they uh, stealing a page from the airline, make it as uncomfortable as possible, and screw <laughs> them at a price? Um, uh, yeah, I just recently flew Allegiant, so, yeah, you might be onto something with that. Um, but, the uh, you know, it's... Um, some of it is that because it, better airbag placement happens when when you're sitting, you know, when you're sitting directly in front of the airbag, and having that center position makes it harder to uh, have the airbags work properly and not be on the edge of it one side or the other. So that's probably certainly part of it. Um, and I think it's just, uh, I think it's also just what I know that when the Toyota Avalon had a bench seat. I want to say less than 5% of the cars ordered were actually ordered with a bench seat. So I think it was just really, you know, what customers were looking for, and there just wasn't the customers that wanted that wanted it. So I think he's going to kind of, I think he's going to be kind of stuck. And, you know, maybe look, you know, maybe, you know, for comfort and convenience-wise, look at a Taurus, look at an Avalon. Uh, but everything that I've driven that's sort of in the grand marquee size all, only only has seating for five people. Right. Next so, thing, uh, are they coming out with a small pickup truck? Who it's Ford uh, or anybody? Yeah. I mean, you know, they, the problem. They got rid of the. the they got rid of, they got rid of the, uh, the small ones, and uh, everything I looked at recently was. Yeah, the problem is the small pickup trucks, even the new small trucks, are pretty big. You know, the Chevrolet Colorado and the GMC Canyon, if I don't have those backwards, um, those are still those are still good-sized trucks. Uh, in fact, when you see one parked next to a, you know, 1500 or an F-150, um, they look they look pretty they look pretty formidable size wise. I keep telling anybody who will listen. I think there is still a market for a truck the size of an old Ford Ranger, a truck the size of an old Toyota Tacoma. About the you know even the Tacoma is has gotten bigger over the years. Same thing with the Nissan pickup. They're small truck. They're really mid sized trucks now, not small trucks. And I still say there's a there's a good. I would think there's a good market for a pretty basic truck that you know has you know has a pretty plain bed, a little extended cab, and oh you know not a forty or fifty thousand dollar truck. Ford is coming out with a with a uh, with an all new Ranger pickup truck, 
And I haven't seen anything other than some drawings of it. In fact, last year at the Detroit Auto Show when I was out there, all they really did was announce the name. They didn't even have a picture of it, let alone a mock-up of what it was going to look like. I assume it won't be a small truck. I think it will be kind of a mid-sized pickup truck, which if you're going to buy a mid-sized truck, the fuel economy is not a whole lot different than a full-size truck. So, you know, you might as well buy the full-size one because sometimes they're even cheaper. The, uh, the Nissan Frontier is as big as a, as an old uh, Ford F one fifty. Oh yeah, and yeah. That's, that's considered small, right? And it's not, and it's anything, it's anything but small. The same thing with the Colorado and Canyon, even the even the Tacoma. And if you if you decide, oh, I'm going to get the four door version, which you know is actually pretty good. Um, you know, other than it's a little bit easier to park than the full size ones, and some of these some of these big trucks, I. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I drove. Now this is kind of an anomaly, but I drove the uh, F one hundred and fifty Raptor. The thing is six inches wider than a standard F one hundred and fifty. The thing was huge, but even at that, I drove a, uh, you know, I, I drove I drove a GMC fifteen hundred. It's a big truck, and you all of a sudden now you have to choose your parking spaces, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and the sad part is most of the time when you see any of these full size trucks going down the road, there's usually one person driving it, and there's nothing in the bed. All right. Next question: Are all cars going to have the backup camera? Is that is that a, is that practically mandatory? Yeah, it's it was supposed to happen. It was it was supposed to happen either 2017 by law or 2018. I don't remember which, but um, they are all supposed to have them in in one form or another for safety purposes. The um, and some and some cars, frankly, really need them. Some cars have a ton of blind spots in it, and just to be able to see a little bit behind you, not such a bad idea. I yeah, I love your comment about uh, summer tires. My uh, my car is a Nissan Versa. Okay, and it came it came from Florida. I would have sworn if I if I if I didn't know that that. that Remember from the old days, the tires had flat spots? Yep. I would have sworn there was something wrong with it. And after about 20 miles, it finally flattened out. But I sat there going, this is going to be a long winter unless I buy new tires. Yeah, and some of that may some of that may be if that car sat still for a long period of time in the Florida heat. Um, yeah. You know, if it sat for three or four months and didn't move for whatever reason, it's amazing how they, tires can get almost sort of a permanent flat spot in them. And that's why dealerships a lot of times will kind of move their cars around, not just to wash them and, you know, put the cars in the back and the front and the cars in the front and the back, but to pr- try to prevent flat spots in the tires because it still can happen, not as much as when tires had a lot of nylon in them, but it still can happen. And performance tires, uh, because they have nylon for strength, they'll, you get in it, you'll swear you had four flat tires for the first five minutes of driving when the tires are cold. If you were trying to sell my car this morning to somebody, you would have lost it by the time it got out of the parking lot. It was so bad. And I, I kept thinking, okay, uh, Sullivan Tire is going to get some business out of me, but it's just a question of uh, when do I find this, like anything else, when do I find the time? Yeah, I know. I, 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 I understand what you mean. You, wouldn't, you, you don't have any free time. You couldn't swing by my house and rake some leaves, could you? Uh, leaf blowers are the only thing that you can <laughs> use. Don't use the rake. Remember, you're, you're raking the ticks and the leaves to you. Yeah, exactly. Good point. A, a leaf blower, you blow everything away and you irritate your neighbors. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll let you know. I wrote an article once about uh, using a leaf blower to dry off your car, and you know, I, I just uh, an electric leaf blower, and I said, you know, it's a good way. It's not a whole lot different than you know what happens at the car wash. But if you wash your car and you want to wax it right away, get out your leaf blower, blow off, blow off your car, it dries it off right away. It gets it gets the water out of the little nooks and crannies in your car. And I got more hate mail from apparently there's a negative, there's a leaf blower hating group in in uh, Newton or Brookline or somewhere over there that way that told me that I'm a, a horrible horrible individual for suggesting it so well uh, if you if you've ever been in lime lime country just remember it. you're standing in the middle of the pile of leaves and the, and the chicks are sitting there going thank you you just rake me rake yourself right up to me and all I was uh, if you have a leaf blower if they can handle 130 mile an hour winds well that's my kind of chick <laughs> Richard, uh, good luck with the car shopping. Uh, I, I, I keep sitting there going, just buy something. That's, buy, buy a color you like and just get it over with. Yeah, you know, one one thing that's worth doing, uh, some of the big, you know, some of those big used car lots like CarMax, where they have, you know, it's a big use, even though they might not, even though your friend might not be wanting to buy used, but they have, you know, they might have 300 different, you know, 300 cars for sale on the lot. Well, all of a sudden now you walk around and you're like, oh, there's a one-year-old Ford Explorer. There's a two-year-old Jeep Cherokee. There's a two-year-old Buick LaCrosse. There's a, and all of a sudden now you can just kind of go from car to car and go, you know what? This is kind of nice, but if you want to buy new, you can buy new, and maybe buying used might be a better value sometime. But at least then you're, you you have the variety of it where you can where you can actually go and and look and see see what might fit rather than have to go to a Chevy dealer and a Ford dealer and a Buick dealer and, a, you know, one dealer after another. And you can spend maybe an hour or so at uh, a big place like CarMax, and then all of a sudden now uh, you can narrow down the choices a little bit. Well, I thank you for saying that, but I was yelling at him because I said, you live in a used $400,000 house. What's wrong with a used car? And he's all, oh, I want the smell, and I'm like, it's you can you can buy you can buy the smell in a can. It's three ninety nine. So just yeah, he's he's I don't know he's you know, when you get to past fifty, they disconnect your senses. And uh, he's a nice guy and he can afford stuff, but I wish you'd just get it over with. There you go. There when you go. sense my frustration. Yeah, well, you know. Go ahead. One comment about your radio show. Every time I went to call you folks for anything, the phone always rang. And, it, you know, I, 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 I'd be listening to your show, and about 10 minutes into it, I said, well, I've got a question. The phone would ring. It was frustrating because I'd be left alone for an hour, and all of a sudden, oh, click. Uh, by the way, it's outstanding show, and AAA is a fantastic service. I, um, I'm not putting a plug, but I'll bash people when they deserve it. But AAA's been doing a really good job. Well, thank you. And, uh, and, yeah, it's, and uh, people should admire it, especially since where I live. Uh, you have to figure out where the registry is going to put a new location. I live in the North Shore. Oh, yeah. And they've, they've tried for three years to find a location. And, uh, uh, well, the, the, the plan is every one of our AAA offices uh, will have 
some form of registry service by the end of the year. We have three more offices to go. By the end of the year, they'll all be they'll all the equipment will be in place, so you'll be able to renew your driver's license, do your registration. In fact. If the registry allows it, we'll do anything they want us to do. So, um, you know, as long as we can do it with our help and on our time our time schedule, we're happy to do it. So, all I have to do is be a AAA member. Such a good, such a deal. All right. Hey, thank you. And right. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks, Richard. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. What do we got going on? We have guesses for trivia. Let's see. We'll we'll let Jeff do his job, you know. Uh, and uh, Lincoln might be rolling out a new version of its Navigator SUV soon, but Cadillac is using an old lure to catch new buyers, according to an article. They're offering five thousand dollars off a new Escalade for any buyers trading in a Lincoln made since nineteen ninety nine. This is according to a memo obtained by Bloomberg, which was uh, subsequently confirmed by GM. Lincoln hasn't redesigned the Navigator since 20, 2006, but the uh, new Expedition Brother comes uh, a new – so they're new Expedition, so you get a new Navigator. Of course, it makes sense. The Escalade was last redesigned in early 2014, but that could make it look old against a brand-new Lincoln. Um, the Lincoln Navigator is um, – is, uh, Probably not the one I saw at the auto show with the whole right side that opens up and uh, what's his name? The guy who does the Lincoln commercials, the actor, whatever his name is. He was there. Um, but uh, look for Ford. To, I'm sure Ford will say, okay, um, you know, if they're, you know, Ford will look at that and, you know, $5,000 uh, applies to purchases or leases and buyers still qualify under other offers. So if you're driving a Lincoln and thinking about a big SUV, this could be your time. I mean, it's actually, yeah, if you drive a 1999 Lincoln and you want to buy an Escalade, that's a pretty good deal, five grand. And on top of any other incentives. So we're still looking for an answer to trivia. Um, What made the GMC Envoy XUV a unique vehicle? And we'll see if anybody knows that. Uh, Also, if you just want to call with a question, 617-770-3030. Let's see. I think we got Paul. Let's see if we got Paul. Paul, is that you? Yes, I'm here. Yes. How can we help um, you? The roof slid from the tailgate forward, or, or, like a sunroof, but it, it did. slid open. It did. That's it, right. Yeah. Um, I, I have a Matchbox car <laughs> that's very similar to the same thing. I bet the Matchbox car is a Studebaker. Um, actually, I don't know. It's in my basement. Oh. I, those matchboxes are from uh, at least 50 years old. Well, in, in 1960, Studebaker made a car called a Wagoneer, and it did basically the same thing. It was it, it The roof slid forward, and you could put tall stuff back there. The idea, the idea behind this was it was supposed to give you the, the uh, you know, something like an SUV, but something like a pickup truck. And it sounded like a pretty good idea when they were building it. In fact, the only time I ever saw anyone really use it, I saw the roof slid forward and someone had like a big um, china cabinet standing straight up in it. I said, well, that's actually a pretty unique idea. But uh, it it only happened for a couple of years. You know, the, you know, the idea was supposed to be like a pickup truck and a you know, Chevrolet Avalanche kind of combined together, so you could be. I don't think it really worked, but the uh, the XUV the XUV was uh, 
reminiscent really of I think it was a, it was a Studebaker Wagoneer is what they called it. So I bet yeah. that's I it, bet that's what your matchbox car is is a Studebaker it, Studebaker Wagoneer. I'll, I'll look it up and I'll, I'll let you know. But it, you know I also agree with you it was a good idea because you could lock it. You know, yeah, so if you had something in there, you could lock it, unlike a pickup truck. Right, right. Yeah. In fact, the funny, th- kind of a funny thing is. Um, some of these tailgates now in, in some of these pickup trucks, like Ford has a tailgate with a built-in step, and you flip the tailgate down and you pull the step out, and it turns into like a little ladder, so it makes it easy to get in the back of the truck. And apparently those are a very hot theft item. People are actually yeah, stealing I've the tailgate. Too, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah I kind of wonder what the reliability of that was, though, especially in the New England winters. Well, yeah. I, I and I think I, yeah, I think about all. Even when I look at trucks with power um, running boards, you know, the running board oh, right. folds out, and then you know they they at least put a switch on them so you can leave them down in the in the winter time, so they're not constantly trying to grind up snow and salt and sand but yeah you look at all of those things that seem like it would be a far better idea for arizona than it would be for new england winters but um yeah in fact one of my co-workers just recently bought an f-150 and he got the he got a hard cover for the back of the truck and the cover in conjunction with the tailgate he can actually lock the whole back of it now which makes it a little bit more secure yeah but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Paul. Stay right there, and Jeff will take down your name and address, and we'll send you out a, a prize as well as a couple of tickets for the Boston Auto Show when it comes up uh, uh, after the first of the year. Okay. Great. Thank you very All much. All right. Thanks, Paul. Stay Thanks. right there. Have a good day. You too. Bye. And let's see. I let's go over to Rick. Rick, is that you? Yeah, that's me. Oh, hey, what's going on? Well, I got a question for you. I've heard, and I don't know if it's true or not. But uh, in the state that has legalized marijuana for the last couple of years, the accident rate has gone up. Have you heard anything about that? Do you have any statistics? Well, it depends. It depends who you believe. Um, people will tell you in Washington State the crash rate's gone down. Other people will tell you in Washington State the crash rate's gone up. Um, the problem is, and here's the here's the whole problem with. Um, marijuana, cannabis, weed, whatever you want to call it is, there's no really good way to test for impairment. Um, They use, you know, blood tests, but still they're measuring the amount of THC, but something more chemically sounding than that, in your blood system. But, you know, we pretty much know that when someone's at .05 with alcohol, they're partially impaired. When they're at .08, they've gone over the legal limit, and they, they absolutely shouldn't drive. With um, with marijuana, they still haven't totally figured it out yet. And I know now in Massachusetts where recreational marijuana is legal, every time I'm behind a car that's that looks like it's, you know, just came out of a Cheech and Chong movie, I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that doesn't look safe to me. Um so again, the, the law enforcement. I was I was just at an event, and law enforcement is still trying to figure it all out. So you know, has the crash rate gone up? It would make sense. It probably did. But if you talk to if you talk to the advocates, they will tell you it's actually gone down, or it hasn't changed, one or the other. So I think it's Washington State and Colorado. Yeah, yeah, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, it's like everything else. Numbers, you 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 know, you believe what you believe when it comes to numbers, I guess. So, 
Well, uh, the to me it would seem like you know uh, if uh, 2010 you had illegal, it was illegal, and you had X number of accidents, and 2000. 16, you had X number of accidents that it's legal, you'd know whether it went up or went down. Yeah, you would think it would be that easy, but it's not. So, uh, so in, people, other words, in other words, the politicians, you know, on either side of the issue are skewing the numbers or telling half-truths well, or whatever. Well, I, I don't even know if it's that. I think they just don't know how to statistically look at it yet because not all crashes they measure they they measure for impairment. Um, it, it's well, a, I wasn't it, even asking, a, yeah, asking impairment, yeah. just the number of crashes. Yeah. Um, well, the the difference the difference is overall for years and years and years and years across the country. There was 42,000 motor vehicle-related fatalities, and that was kind of the way it's been for years. Uh, two years ago, it went down to about 35,000. It's it's closing back in on 40,000 now, and that isn't, you know, that, that 5,000 isn't because of those couple of states that have, um, that have uh, legal uh, marijuana. That 5,000 has more to do with... There's more people on the road. There's um, there's more employability, so more people are working, and gasoline's cheaper than it was a few years ago. So, and you know, people are driving. Generally, people are driving faster. So you combine all of that together, and now suddenly you have higher higher crash rates and, uh, and more fatalities. So, uh, crash rates and fatalities are up, but not just in those two states. They're up in all fifty states. And I'm kind of generalizing, but they're up in Massachusetts and they're up in Rhode Island. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. And just like with uh, alcohol, it took the uh, government years to come up with a reasonably reliable test, you know, field sobriety test and yep. then blood test, you know, breathing test and stuff like that. And so I expect that to be the same thing with marijuana. Yep. But, uh, no, I, I think I think I think you're right, and that's gonna it is gonna take some time, and that's why some of the you know some of the delays you know some of the delays were in place because of that. But law enforcement still hasn't got it 100 percent figured out yet, and it has nothing to do with them. It's just the chemistry isn't there yet. So, oh yeah, and okay. So the people are going to come up with a with a decent test. It'll just take a little time. Yeah, but I'm just wondering about the overall statistics and that. So. Yep. I know where I am on this issue. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm kind of guessing where you are. So, okay, Rick, take care. Okay. Yep. Bye okay, bye. Let's go over and talk to Mike. Mike, is that you? Is that you, Mike? Mike? Nope. Mike? Is that you, Mike? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Oh, there you are. Okay, Magic Electronics. First, I want to thank uh, all our veterans for Veterans Day. As do I. As do I. Hey, and quick, I think my question is quick, but certainly a great segue from your last question. And that is, uh, what are we doing with the hands-free driving in this state? Why haven't we, uh, you know, initiated a law that makes holding a cell phone while you're driving illegal? I wonder we, if AAA has to... we, 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 we are trying. We're trying. Um, and and here's and and even though we are a hundred percent behind a hands-free bill, um, we know through uh, studies done with uh, 
the University of Utah, I think, um, that if you are hands-free, you're not really that much less distracted than you are when you actually have a phone in your hand. But the one reason, the one of the major reasons we're in favor of a hands-free bill, and 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 there's there is I think currently two or three bills at the state house right now, and we support all of them in one form or another, is one of the worst things you can do when you're behind the wheel is text, uh, because then you're taking your eyes and your hands off the wheel, and you're looking at your phone and you're trying to compose a text message or read a text message and you know 96 percent of the population can't multitask um i mean everybody can multitask but nobody only 90 only about four or five percent of the population can truly do two things at one time but what happens with law enforcement if you're driving down the road and you look like you're texting a cop can't say if you're texting or you're scrolling through your phone looking for a phone number where if we went to a hands-free law when a cop saw you with a phone in your hand, the assumption would be that you're texting or talking on the phone. But what happens is it makes them much easier. It makes it much easier to enforce a texting law. I almost, you know, I, I saw someone texting the other day, and I bet they crossed two lanes of traffic. Fortunately, I was behind them. And but I saw them, you know, cross two lanes of traffic trying to compose a text message or read a text message or whatever they were doing. And you know, if it was pretty obvious to me, but on the other hand, it just makes it that much easier. Which again is one of the reasons why um, we are absolutely in favor of a, a hands-free cell phone law in every state, not just Massachusetts. Well, I think that my my question is also which which I find like in the summertime, I drive my little Miata around, and what I find is that the person, particularly a left-handed person, is absolutely blind on that site because they're holding the phone in front of peripheral vision. Yep. Uh, and I think that's a bigger problem than the No, no, that, that's, that's absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. That's, that's one part of it. Um, the, uh, you know, if everybody had a standard shift car, then it would, then it would limit, it would limit phone use a lot, wouldn't it? Sure would, sure <laughs> would. Do you have time for one more question? Sure, go ahead. Real, real quick. I noticed that reading this week's uh, Auto Week that the new Lexus, the big, big Lexus, yep. has come out with a six-cylinder engine in it with uh, twin turbos. You, you and I have had this conversation for an awful lot more moving parts in that car. Do you think the reliability would be there to get 200K out of a car like that, two-ton car? I think out of the engine, absolutely. Out of the turbos, I'm not so sure. Um, yeah. But the engine itself, I mean, you think about it, you know, to maintain – 65 miles and out on the highway, even with the even with the 4,500 pound car, you probably need 14 or 15 horsepower. Um, right. So you know, most of the time the engine's going to be loafing. You're not working very hard. Um, if you're somebody who drives with your foot to the floor all the time, well, it's going to spool the turbos up. You're going to run 10, 12 pounds of boost. You're going to make the engine work that much harder. Um, you know, could you could you get that kind of mileage out of it? Typically, from what I understand watching engineering done, most every engine and transmission today is being tested at 175,000 miles. So they're running reliability tests right up to 175,000 miles. And, you know, and the engineers tell me sort of off the record um, they're doing that, but they're also saying that they think there's another 
you know, 30% window on top of that, and that's how they feel comfortable about it. But they test up to 175,000. So I think that, you know, two-and-a-half-ton Lexus will go a couple hundred thousand miles without any problem. But if you drive, if you drive like you're in pursuit mode all the time, uh, it might still go 200,000 miles, but it might do it with uh, a little bit extra oil consumption. And, you know, if you're not doing the maintenance, it may be a little harder to do it. But if you drive like a relatively sane, normal person, I don't see why it wouldn't do that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All yeah, right. Back. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Let's get to one more phone call here. I think we have James on the phone. James, is that you? Yes, it is me. Yes, sir. I have a quick question for you before I go over to see Junior D'Amato. Okay. He usually, usually works on my car. I have a Chevy Caprice. Yep. Yeah, a vintage Chevy Caprice. <laughs> and uh, the question is, uh, I went out, got in the car to start it, and lately I've been starting it, and the RPMs went way up to like 70. Oh, okay. And then drops back to 30. Mm-hmm. And goes back to 70 and 30, up to 70 and 30 continuously for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it calms down and acts normally. <laughs> I was wondering what, if you knew what. How, 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 that high. how vintage is this? What year is it? Oh, I've had this car since 1993. Okay. Um,. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be that uh, it could be any number of things, really. But um, it it could be that it's something like the throttle. The th- throttle plate is starting to gum up in the engine, and that's kind of that's kind of giving you a bit of a problem. Um, uh-huh. You know, so it could be just a matter of a, a good cleaning. Uh, I'm guessing it's the V8 engine in this. It's the small eight. Yeah, the small eight. Yep, and yeah. you know that would that would be sort of where I would start to look and see if there's something there. The other thing I would look at, and this is this is going to happen, is um, if there is a big, a good-sized vacuum leak, what will happen is as soon as you go to start it up, yeah. the... Um, the engine, the engine will try to make up for the vacuum leak. So it'll race the engine up, it'll race the engine down, it'll race the engine up until it finally finds its spot and settles down. And there's a, there's an electronic throttle actuator that tries to keep the car from stalling. That could be caused by a, by a great big vacuum leak. And pretty common in those small block Chevys is the PCV hose, the hose that goes to the PCV valve, uh, collapses and then has a hole that kind of burns through it and when that happens all of a sudden now you have you have a vacuum leak so it can affect how the car idles and runs so it could be it could be a bad electronic throttle actuator it could be it could be a just a big vacuum leak it could be any number of things that could be part of it but you know the best thing that's going to happen if you can get it there and he can and he can get it when it's cold so he can see what it's doing that's the best Uh thing to do yeah, because once it warms up, it's fine. Yeah, so you know, once it warms up, it's going to be a little harder to find. But uh, like I said, there's a series of uh, uh, pressure regulator. You know, there's a throttle regulator there, and it looks at a couple different things. And um, you know, and it's 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 still it's still even controlled by the computer. And there's a thing called an idle air control valve. So it's the valve that opens and closes that adjusts the idle. And if that idle air control valve is is um, is sticking, 
well that that's going to be this problem so you know at this age at this age it's uh what'd you say it was 93 2003 2013 2007 it's 20 it's, it's an antique it's an it's an actual it's an actual antique at this point so yeah, but uh, I like it. yeah there's nothing wrong with it but no, I, I, I think, like I said, I think the best thing to do would be try to get it there, and if you can leave it overnight so he can start it up when it's cold, you know, if not, at least uh, they can do a little bit of, you know, quick checks to look for vacuum leaks, sticking, sticking idle air controls, things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's good information. Okay. I'm going to take it to Junior anyways, your buddy. All right. And I'll leave it overnight because I'm retired, so I don't need the car. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I got this car back in 93. From, a, uh, from the state police up in Maine, a captain was driving it. Oh, all right. And it was all highway miles, so when I bought it, it was low mileage. Is it, is it actually a pursuit car? Is it actually a? Uh, is it actually got, like, the certified speedometer in it and uh, heavy-duty suspension? Oh, it has everything heavy-duty. Heavy, oh, okay. Heavy I still have all the original parts on the car except for routine maintenance. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's really been golden. <laughs> sound, I, sound, wanna, I wanna keep it. Sounds like sounds like sounds like it's a good car for you. So I would yeah. I would continue to hang on to it. I will. We just use it now to go shopping, that's hey, all. There you go. Well I'm gonna right. up to you and you anyhow. Okay, all right, yeah. And and I appreciate uh, the call. All right, you take care now. Thank you. All right. Bye bye now. Well, we're running we're running close to running out of time and uh Apparently, uh, our buddy Paul Sullivan's still a little under the weather because there's a brilliant Bobby Brooks right there. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, uh, Paul has another uh, uh, another week or, uh, of a little R and R, so I'm stepping yeah. in on this fine, frigid day. It's a little chilly, isn't it? Well, it's chilly, but you know something? Now, this past week, I was in Bismarck, North Dakota, and it was five degrees Thursday morning when I woke up with flurries. So, is that is that is that is that was that the equivalent of like frostbite falls? Yeah, something. Yeah. I, tell you, I don't know how people live there. I meet some awesome people. I met some great folks. I had to go up there from work and do some training, uh, but uh, tremendous people. Uh, you know. Uh, different things to so the people talking about their their side things. They they do the rodeo and they have a hundred head of cattle. Yeah. And they they plant this that and the other. So different di- different thought process than us in New England. That's yeah, for sure. I I know I was up in Canada once and I asked how how do you deal with the cold up here and they just looked at me and said flannel pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess if you I guess if you dress for it. Um, yeah. I was in a class a couple weeks ago and two people in the class were from Alaska, right. and. First and it was in Florida. First off, they didn't know what to do, and then they said, "You know, we when it's you know forty degrees, we're still walking around in short sleeve shirts yeah. because forty degrees is a nice, nice balmy day up in Alaska." Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Get that right. that, yeah. yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, all good stuff. But yeah, we have a great day planned today. I mean, clearly today is Veterans Day, so uh, all three of us today, and uh, I know Johnny and Seamus will be uh, paying special attention to, Great. to our veterans. Uh, you don't want to, Bill Bailey does this show every year. I just I look so forward to his show because it's really just committed to all that. So we'll be we'll be uh, throwing in some nice patriotic stuff today with the regular Irish tunes and trying to keep everyone warm today. That's Yeah, there, there you go. You know, it was funny it was kind of funny. I was in my uh, basement today and um, I don't have a lot of stuff from my father and in my basement there was some old uh, currency from like uh, Italy and and apparently the GIs back then would sign it. They would autograph. They would put their name on it. And when they met a GI from someplace else, they would just swap it back and forth. So they knew that John Paul, you know, I met him somewhere and he gave me a, you know, a. a and I had 
like five or six of these bills left, and I didn't know why it had my father's name on it. I did a little uh, information on the internet and found out. Well, that's why they did it, so they could they had something to trade back and forth. Oh, and I thought cool. that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, real pretty yeah. cool. It looks like I think Jeff's trying to push us out. I hear that. I, I think I think so too. There's a piano guy. <laughs> so Jeff's just telling us we got to go. Hey, up next, Bobby Brooks filling in for the. For Professor Paul Sullivan on this Veterans Day, if you see a veteran somewhere, buy him a cup of coffee, do something, uh, tell him thank you for the service. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.